Thank you for tuning in to Church on the Rock podcast. We have a great sermon in store for you. We hope this message challenges you, builds you, and motivates you into taking the next step in your purpose with God. Enjoy the sermon. Said upon this rock I will build my church. And um, he is the first member of the church. And he entered into his ministry and found in the church through prayer. The Bible said when he was baptized that the heavens opened, and, uh, which means that prayer uh, is an exchange with heaven. Mm-hmm. And uh, while he was praying, the Bible said heaven opened up, which means communication with God to establish the kingdom of earth began. And it began through intercessory prayer games to somebody that could talk to the Father and to get him to respond in the earth to establish God's will in the earth. Now, the purpose of prayer is to establish what God wants. Number one purpose is to establish what he wants in the earth. And uh, somebody said, well, why would God bind himself or link himself with man in order to get his will done in the earth? Well, when you read Genesis chapter 1, man's assignment was to run the earth just like God would run it if he was here. That was his assignment. He was created in the image and likeness of God, and he was supposed to run the planet exactly the way God would run it. In Genesis chapter 1, you see God, uh, and 2, you'll see God, he stood back and watched what Adam called things. He watched what Adam declared and called um, and named things in the earth. And so, um, and uh, a physician, a physician by the name of Hillary B. Yeoman, and she made a statement that it would be true for all times, that in the execution to redeem mankind for their disobedience and separation from God, to restore men back to God, to execute the task of restoring men back to God. God has bound himself that he will not execute redemption without man using his faith. And so whatever you're going to get from God, you're going to believe him. Because the separation came from a lack of trust in the first place. Adam failed to trust God. And what Adam signed up for is a life where he could be his own God and he didn't need God. And then he found out what that life was like separated from God. It's a terrible life. It's a life of darkness. It's a life of uh, pressure, depression. It's a life of sickness and disease. It's a life of poverty. Man was never intended to have a gap between him and God. And the blessing of having a prayer life is a demonstration that I'm not separated from him anymore. We are one and we eternally uh, connected. And one way we demonstrate that is through a life of continual communion and conversation. Your prayer life is a direct reflection on your relationship with your Heavenly Father. And this is why the Bible said men ought to always pray and not faint. They ought to always talk to the Father and not pass out. They should always be in communication. The Bible said pray without ceasing. So I don't care if you're in your car. You should have a prayer life for your car. Amen. I don't care if you're at work. You should have a prayer life for your job. Amen. Praise God. You ought to have a prayer life for your occupation. It's people on your job need, 
need an intercession. And somebody called me today and they was talking about somebody they need to intercede for. And it was a real critical situation. I said, well, God gave us authority to pray for people that are ignorant of his redemption and salvation and people that are out of the way. Anytime he wants to move in the earth, he always looks for an intercessor, someone that will make prayer their business, someone that will make the manifestation of the kingdom of God in this earth their business. That's what he looks for. And so Jesus' ministry started out with prayer. And when we go to, um, let's go over here to Mark chapter 1, verse 35, we'll look at this. We go to the book of Acts, eventually we will get there, and I'll look at that maybe next. The church in the, in the book of Acts started with prayer. It didn't start with preaching, it didn't start with singing, it didn't start with a church role, it started with people that would talk to God. And it started with a group of people that would talk to God. Churches today will do a lot of activity and tasks, but prayer is always last. It is always last, and that is the reason why it's ineffectiveness in the times of pressure and trial and trouble is very weak. It is very weak under pressure because the ability to overcome trials and pressure is based on the interesting power and ability that you have in you to overcome those challenges. And those challenges are more spiritual than they've ever been natural. And you have to have spiritual ability to overcome spiritual power. And prayer is a spiritual exercise and ability to be able to talk to God and understand and know what you're doing. Now, I have to go to this scripture eventually, and I'm just quoting these scriptures. You can write them down, Luke chapter 11. Did I say turn that? Yeah, that's a good place to go. Luke chapter 11. He's going to say, (laughs) the disciples are going to say, Lord, teach us how to pray. So just praying is not the ex- exact way to approach it. No, I have to be taught how to place a demand on heaven. I have to be taught how to place a demand on the Father or on his word. I have to be taught how to do that. Prayer can be an error. Prayer can be with mistakes and miscues. James, the book of James said, you have not, you did ask, but you don't have it. Because your purpose for asking for it was not true and it wasn't genuine. You have not because you asked for it based on your own personal lust. It had nothing to do with kingdom moving forward. And you have to learn how to pursue the kingdom of God in prayer, executing Father's will in the earth. And so in Luke chapter 11 and verse 1, it says here, let me turn back a page here. It said, and it came to pass as, the, as he was praying. That, that was his lifestyle. As he was praying. And they had opportunity to see him praying. Prayer is taught, but is also caught. I'm say that again. Prayer is caught, but is also taught. It's one thing to read about prayer. It's another thing to see someone praying and see someone getting results and see a plan manifesting in the earth. And that's what was happening to the disciples. They began to realize his ability to manifest the supernatural in the earth was totally based on his communication with heaven. That's how his whole ministry started. He was praying and heaven opened up. And that communication never stopped. He prayed before it opened up. But there was a manifestation of power that was released on him. 
And Jesus went on to say, Father, somebody asked me this yesterday. Oh, you by yourself today? I said, I'm never by myself. I said, the Father's always with me. <laughs> I'm never by myself. The Father's always with me. Now, I read that in the word of God. No, I'm never by myself. I've always got the presence of the holy angels. I already got the presence of the holy G, of the Holy Ghost. And Jesus said, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. I'm with you till the end of the world. There's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. No, you're never by yourself if you're spiritual. I said if you're spiritual. But if you're carnal and you're natural and you function like a mere man, even with a cross around your neck, hey, I don't have no friends. You know, well, the Bible says, sow yourself to be a friend. You got to sow for friends and then you got to believe God for the right ones. Yeah. You, 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 know, you know, you're not supposed to, <laughs> The kingdom is not set up where friends come to you. The Bible said if you want to have them, you got to show yourself to be a friend. You got to you got to do that. It's not who salutes you. It's who do you salute? That's what the, that's, that's book. Amen. Praise God. Say amen to that. Amen. You got to praise God. You got to determine you're going to live by the word. I determined I'm going to live my life by the word of God. Not by how I feel. Not by what somebody else said, but what the word of God said. And Mark, Matthew 4, 4, man shall not live. Now he doesn't say it. By bread alone. But by every word. If a person is going to attain to abundant life, they're going to have to value what God said. You got to value what God said about friends. You got to value what God said about health. You got to value what God said about food. You got to value what God said about marriage. Value what God has said about raising kids. You got to value what God said about everything. Amen. Praise God. If I'm not doing that, then that means I'm not honoring his word. And if I'm not honoring his word, whose word am I honoring? If I'm not honoring his word, who's like, his choices, who's, whose choices am I honoring? If I'm not honoring his life, then what life am I really living? And see, some people want to come to church and live half of it in the word and half of it out. And then when I get to the word that they live in without and don't want to live, that's when we have problems. Amen. Praise God. Everybody can be here when the, when the blessed word is being preached. But all scripture is given for, for inspiration by God. All of it is inspired by God. And it's for correction. Somebody say correction. Because we need correction. Amen. Amen. Somebody say we need, we need to, change. to change. All of us. All Nobody excluded. Amen. If you want his best, everybody's got to be changed. And see, people think Jesus came preach, let's get him saved. No, he didn't. He came preach, let's get him changed. Let's change. It's no point of being saved, but there's no change. There's no point in being saved and you got the same attitude. There's no point in being changed. You got the same lust. You got the same problems. There's no point. It's being saved. I'm going to heaven. Okay. We'll wait to see. Heaven's supposed to be for tomorrow. Let's change today. Let's change. Let's line our life up with the word of God and do what the word says instead of doing what we feel like. That's where the trouble comes in. And this is when we can't get the manifestation of power that's been promised to us to show up in the earth. And then people say, don't, don't, it don't work. Yes, it works. No, that person is not working. That person is unwilling to change and line their life up to the word of God. And all of us have to be open to that. 
Amen. Say amen to that. It says that he was praying in a certain place when he ceased, one of his disciples, notice all of them didn't come. <laughs> Probably was Peter, I don't know. Maybe it was John. He said, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, but listen what, they, what, what he did. He didn't just say, Lord, teach me how to pray. Come on now. Evidently, prayer can't be accomplished by yourself. Not all of it. Some of it's got to be corporate prayer. Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And, then, and he said unto them, he, start, he responded immediately, start teaching. And uh, I agree with Larry Lee. This is a prayer outline. You can pray this outline, and I'll break it up for you. You can pray this outline, and, um, and, and, and you can become skillful with it and add different scriptures into it that fit that particular section of prayer. Because when it gets talking about the kingdom, it's talking about power. It's talking about straight up Holy Ghost, divine power. Signs, wonders, and miracles, power for increase. It's talking about the gifts of the spirit. The church is supposed to have power in it. It's not supposed to be a play with it bunch where they just sing and, and, you know, and sing and clap and roll in the floor and preachers and throwing their hats and robes. And then Corona comes, we all shut down because we're scared we'd die. That's foolishness. That's all it is. Plain and simple. When we got promises in the Bible telling us God is going to intervene for us. And if he's not showing up for me, then what kind of relationship do I have with him? That the God I call won't come. So what are we really doing? What is this? What is this? If he's not showing up, he's not manifesting, what is this? That I'm in peril, I'm in danger, People get up and say, well, you know, tomorrow's not promised to you. Who are you talking to? Are you talking to some? You're not, you can't be talking to a person that's in covenant with God. But the problem is most people don't even know the Bible is a covenant. They don't even know what that word means. And you can worship your whole life and not even know it. It means he has an unbreakable agreement with you. He had to destroy himself if he didn't fulfill his word to you. And so on that grounds, he made that kind of arrangement so that no matter what it looks like, no matter what it feels like, your confidence in him is stable and is steadfast and is unmovable. And until believers begin to live that way, I don't know what we're really practicing because that's what this Bible is about and that's what it teaches. And every person should have a dynamic prayer life. The promise is if you pray to me in secret and I reward you openly. So the Christians should have open manifestations of God's presence and power in their life. You're supposed to get up saying, he's keeping me. And then all day long, that's what happens. I'm kept from the path of destroyer. Cars around me stay in their lane. My airplane stays in the, high, in the sky, high in the sky where it belongs. Corona stays where it's supposed to be, not, not near my dwelling place. And sickness and disease is not a part of my life. And if something tries to attach itself to my body, then I use the healing scriptures. And to declare that my healing is done and I'm taking it and I curse sickness and disease. I rebuke spirits of infirmity and command them to stay away from me. And I do it for my whole house. Then I get to the, get to the place I do it for the family people that are connected to me. 
I do it in my local church wherever I am. That's you go and lay hands on the sick and they not might recover. They shall recover. If you praise God, if you go and think there's an option, then you shouldn't go. If you think there's another outcome, then you're not supposed to go because there's no outcome in Mark chapter 16. There's no other outcome except that. And the Bible said that the Lord went with him. That's why I said I'm never alone. No, he's going with me. And he's confirming the word with signs following. That's the way the church is supposed to live. But it's got some other agenda and it's for a whole lot of other reasons, which I don't want to go into right now. He says, when you pray, that's he said unto them, when, which means I got to ask myself, when do I pray? I got to ask that question. When? When does that happen? I have to know the structure of my own prayer life. I have to know that. When do I pray? If he says shut the closet, when do I have secluded time? When do I have that time? I got to answer that question myself. If not, my pray if the teaching and the instruction is when. The first thing, first thing I need to know, when do I pray? Do I pray when I get up in the morning? Do I pray at midnight before I go to bed? Do I pray during the day? Do I pray throughout the day? When? And then there needs to be a time where you pray, where you make, make record of your prayer life. You should have a prayer journal of things you're believing God to manifest in this earth. Personally, collectively, you ought to have that prayer, kind of prayer life. Everybody that's a member of this church should have the prophecy book of this church and pray regularly over the, over the vision of this church. You should. If you don't have it, you need to see Miss Carlita. You need to get a copy of it so you can pray over the vision of this church. Coming to this church and not a part of the intercession for the vision of the church, you know, I'm not doing my full ministry if I'm not doing that. To let it go and to neglect it. Well, I picked it up two months ago. You can't do that. How do you know, Pastor? Because I did that. God got all over me. He said, those, those prophecies are the vision and the direction that I want to manifest in this earth for this ministry. You cannot lay that down. And I told him I was so sorry. I'll never do it again. I will always pray over the vision of this church and keep it in the forefront in his presence. I will always bring it up, what he said this church ought to be, and every person, that's their responsibility. So when, I, when he says when, I got to ask myself, when do I do that? This is the first ministry of being a part of a local church. The first ministry is intercessory prayer. It's not my administrative task. It's not my assignment of what I do technically. It's not, it's not a part of being a part of the, uh, of the praise team. Because if I don't have intercession and I'm a part of the praise team, then who am I singing to on Sunday morning? Is that the first time I said something to you? Is that the first time I said something? If I'm the pastor and I'm, I'm preaching messages, I don't preach messages, I, I preach life. I preach how to live. I don't preach messages. I don't have a message. I preach how you're going to live. And then I live in myself when I leave here. Whatever assignment you have in the church, that assignment is supposed to be done with prayer. 
I need to believe God. Am I doing this? How do I do this better for this ministry? How do I do this better? How do I take this to the next level? So the, so the church can be effective and fulfill the assignment. Every assignment should be done with excellence. I shouldn't be coming here doing something at the, at the lowest level. I don't want that. I wouldn't even want that in the natural. If I was head of business, I wouldn't want an employee doing something at the lowest level. That's the first one hitting the door. I'm going to come to you and ask you to leave. You go to your job, you should be the best in what you do. The Bible said you're not there working for that company or that person. You're working for God. Everything on this planet belongs to him. Nobody takes anything with them when they leave this planet. Everything stays. So I'm a steward. I've been granted a stewardship under his lordship to manifest the kingdom in the earth. And that's why when everybody leaves here, they got to stand before him and give an account of their stewardship. What you want to hear is well done, not well what happened. <laughs> that, that's, that's you talking now. Now you got to answer to that. That's what he said you got to do. You got to stand before. We must all appear, all of us. And knowing, knowing that Jesus is going to keep his word, the Bible said we ought to live like we're going to him tomorrow. Amen. We ought to have that fervency that we're going to him tomorrow, that we're going to be on assignment to him tomorrow. Amen. Praise God. Aren't you excited about the kingdom? It says when you pray, say, our father, does he tell you even what to say? Amen. The church must get a revelation. Yes, he's God, but he's daddy first. The church must get a revelation. Yes, he's God, but he's daddy first. I said this earlier. The devil works overtime to make sure that every child has a bad image of father. He works overtime to make sure that the leader of that family is not a spiritual man. That prayer is my wife's job. So the children get up and grow up thinking prayer is mama's job. Church is mama's job. Church is the woman's thing. And that's why the planet has so much struggle in the earth. Because he doesn't want the father image demonstrated before the children of the house where the, where the father says in the presence of the children, my father, which art in heaven. He does not want children to hear that coming out of the mouth of their daddy. The daddy's looking to somebody higher than us. He's looking for somebody higher than him to hold this thing together. Because it cannot except the Lord build the house. They are wasting their time trying to build it. That's book. That's Psalms 127. I wanted my children to see me praying. I wanted them to know I was serving God. I wanted them to know all of this is based, all of this comes to pass based on what he is doing for us, based on our request. Amen. He says, our father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. God, we respect you. We value you. We value what you value. We honor what you honor. That's supposed to be the lifestyle in the house. Children, honor your parents. That's supposed to translate ultimately to the heavenly father. 
It's rough having children in the house that don't honor you. Somebody say amen to that. Don't be quiet on that. If you ain't had none, praise God, then praise God. Make sure they honor you when they come up. It makes housing easy. It makes, it makes parenting easy. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. No, sir. It makes parent, it makes the house flow easy if honor is in there. Well, how do they learn honor? They watch me honor God. They watch me obey him. They watch me keeping his commandments. He says right here, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. We're talking about, that's talking about the power of God. The power of God is reserved for people that honor God. The power of God is reserved for people that respect him. They value him. They are obedient unto him. And our Bible reading today in Isaiah chapter 1, and our Bible read, God said, if you are willing and if you are obedient, he told the children of Israel, you will eat the good of the land. God wants his children to have it good. He wants, he wants everything that's good in the land accessible and in the lives of his children. He's a good father. And he demonstrates, Jesus demonstrates that in the book of Luke in the prodigal son. When he comes back to the house, the father brings the best out, yes. the best robe, the best slippers. If you just come home and you show respect and value what's here at the house, then the best belongs to you. Yes. He told the son that stayed, all I have is yours. Everything I have belongs to you. You have access to all that I am and all that I have. He's a good father. God is good and his mercy endures forever. And the father was merciful. The boy was trying to come back being a servant. You can't be something I didn't create you to be. You are not a servant. You are bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And everything I have in here is yours. And all you have to do is partake of it. God wants his children partaking of the good of the land. But I got to have you willing, kingdom willing and obedient. What, it's yes, sir, Father, whatever you want. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. And wherever you want me to go, I'll go. What's wrong with that life? There's nothing wrong with it. It's the best way. It's the highest way to live on this planet. It's not having rebellious and refractory children in your house telling you what they're not going to do and telling you how grown they are. Calling authorities to the house because they're too big. Now you can't spank them. They're spanking you. It's not. It's about honor. It's about the kingdom. He says, thy kingdom come. When we're talking about the kingdom, we're talking about the power of God. Now, look over here. Hold your place here. Matthew chapter 12, verse 28. Let's look over here. Matthew chapter 12, verse 28. Real quick. I'm holding my place there. Matthew 12 and 28, it says, but if I cast out devils, by the spirit of God, then the kingdom has come unto you. So the kingdom came so the devil wouldn't be the boss. If I cast out devils by the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is coming to you. So the kingdom of God and the ministry of the Holy Spirit are synonymous. They come for the same purpose. Where God's will and God's purpose and rule have great authority than darkness. They have great authority than sickness. They have greater authority than disease. Because sickness and poverty, 
depression, death is of the kingdom of darkness. So God brought a whole new realm of authority and dominion to the earth that belongs to his children. And they ought to say, they ought to get up every day and say, I'm going to have a kingdom lifestyle. They ought to get up saying, Daddy, I'm honoring you and, I, and I'm receiving the kingdom and, and, and every a benefit of the kingdom and darkness will not rule my life today. I am in the kingdom of the almighty God. The book of Colossians said he took us out of the kingdom of darkness where corona is, where virus is there, where sickness and poverty and depression and suicidal thinking is. He took us out of this kingdom and translated us in the kingdom of God so that this kingdom would have no power in our life today. And we ought to be living with distinction. We are not like everybody else. And I know they're trying to make us like them, but we I got to convince you I'm not like you. I'm not like you. I ain't got to do what you do. You got to do what you do because you don't have the covenant I have. You don't have the covenant I have. You don't have the father I have. You don't have the kingdom I'm in. I don't have to live like you. And they're trying to put us all in one group together. And some believers are so weak they just want to be bunched together. I'm going to have to separate ourselves from them too. The Bible said if they say, if they got a cross, but they have no power, you're supposed to separate yourself from them. That's what Paul said. If they have a form of godliness, but they say the kingdom is not here, they say the power is not here, then have nothing to do with them. No, we're not all the same. I'm just, praise God. When Jesus showed up, there was 480 synagogues in Jerusalem alone. Nobody was getting healed. Nobody was getting delivered. And he came and showed himself, I'm not like y'all. And they got mad at him. People can get mad at your distinction, but I don't care because I'm after the abundant life. I'm not compromising my deliverance. I'm not compromising my healing. I'm not compromising God's prosperity plan to fit in with you. You ought to be trying to get over here. Amen. <laughs> Somebody said, well, <laughs> well, Pastor Rogan, so-and-so, this happened, so-and-so. <laughs> this person came to this church, had a miraculous miracle. Just a powerful miracle. In this church. There was a visitor. Powerful miracle. And got up and gave a testimony. It's in Dr. Jacob's testimony. They got their back healed. And, they, and now they just passed away of Corona. And it was a pastor. Somebody came and told me about it. I said, they said so-and-so passed away. I said, okay. I said, if, if a miracle had been done in my life like that, I'd have followed Dr. Jacobs to this very day. Yeah. And I invited him to follow Dr. Jacobs. And he walked out of the door. He's like, okay, I got something. I got healed and delivered. I said, you know something? I said, we were in our 20s, Pastor Cynthia and I. And she went through a powerful deliverance. There was no church in this city could help her. She had to go to Fort Knox, Kentucky, and have hands laid on her. Didn't even know what falling out in the floor was. Fell out in the floor and was immediately delivered by the power of God. And from that moment on, she said, I want to go to a church where God's power is. It's something wrong when people experience the power of God and just walk off and act like it's just not nothing. That in a church with the supernatural and just walk out and act like it's not nothing. It's a slap in God's faith. And when, you, and when they finally really need him, 
It's not that he won't come. It's that I don't know how to call anymore. Because that was the door to open the power of God to him. So we're moving on, brother. I don't have nothing to do with that. That ain't none of my business. And it has nothing to do with being a pastor or anything. We were just in our 20s, and we wanted to be in a church where God's power was. And I'm not leaving. I went where the Holy Ghost took me. I went where the Spirit of God led me. And I'm not changing. It's not about denominations. It's about the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. You should show up where the Holy Ghost wants you. Y'all just show up over some religious. It didn't matter to me where the church I went up in. I was trying to live. I didn't want my family towed up. Moving right along. The kingdom's here. He says, thy kingdom has come now. Your desire. We talk about God's will now. The will of God. Prayer is to establish the will of God in the earth with his power. And it's a family business. I'm going to say that again. It's a family business because I'm talking to the father. So this is a family business. Jesus said, I must be about my father's business. Church is family business, but it's the family of God's business. There's no father that does not want his son to be successful. There's no mother that does not want their child to be successful. God gave us the kingdom so we would be successful. So that you would win in every arena of life. I don't care if it's your occupation, your family, raising your kids, your health. He gave you heavenly kingdom power, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. He gave you the power of that of that king. Heaven opened up and the kingdom comes into the earth so that the darkness cannot prevail against you. You're more than a conqueror now. You, your faith is the victory that overcomes the world. He always causes us to triumph over every trial and every pressure and every darkness that tries to come up on this planet. You're victorious all the time. You win no matter what it looks like. I think that boy saying, no matter what the decision, we win. <laughs> no matter what the weapon is, I want you to know that I win. That's what he said, amen. So it doesn't, that's why the Bible said in the book of James chapter 1, count it all joy. You want to try me? Count it all joy. You're going to try my confidence in my daddy and you're going to try my confidence in the kingdom. I'm counting it all joy. I'm laughing before it gets started. When you become experienced in the kingdom, you know how this thing is going. I had David out there talking to a, a big 10-foot man with a basketball head. Tell me I'm going to cut your head off. He's bad. He ain't even six foot tall. But the kingdom is with him. Holy Ghost power is with him. You really have to face giants in this life. You really have to fight things that are too strong for you in this life. But God has fixed the playing field so you win every time. Say amen to that. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Praise God forever. He says, thy will be done. Notice that he said, this is what I want you to say. When you pray, he said, he says, he says, when you pray, say. So I got to ask myself, when am I saying these things? When you pray, this is what I want you to say. That's just plain old straight instruction. Then people, well, I can't understand why this ain't working. It's working. I don't know about you working, though. 
This works. The question is, do people work? He said, broad is the way to lead destruction. Narrow is the way to lead few. I don't pastor for hordes of people. I pastor for people that want to be dynamic with their Heavenly Father. That's what it's about. Broad is the way. Jesus said, I'm not going to get everybody. Is the lead to destruction. So he's not talking. I'm not going to get them all. And it's not that the message didn't come to them. It's that when they heard it, they said something else. They did something else. They're doing something else. I just decided I want what he wants. So this is my everyday prayer life. This is every day. I do not let my daily bread slip. I ain't even got there yet. Oh, no, I'm calling. And I'm not asking for it. I'm taking it. This ain't no begging prayer. This is a taking prayer. Amen. Every day. Every day I'm expecting the manifestation of this prayer every day. Every single day. It says right here, thy will be done as, it, as in heaven or as it is in heaven, which means Father doesn't want to be living in one environment and I'm living in another. What daddy wants that? That I'm living good and my children are living in poverty. So I won't, and the only reason why you're on this planet is for assignment. I put you here for an assignment. That's why you're only here. He hadn't even changed his will. You read the Bible, it's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. This one's going to pass away. Guess where you're going to live at? In the new one. Your assignment is always going to be here. You have access to heaven. You even have a house there. But your assignment, you can go visit. Amen. Praise God. If you can have a house in California... In a house in Florida, wherever they have vacations, still live in Tennessee. Well, you can have a house in heaven and go to that. Go up there. I think we just go up there for a weekend. But when it's all said and done, guess what? They're going to be the same on earth as it is in heaven. You ain't going to have better carpet in heaven than you have here in earth because you stay up there all the time. That is good. They're supposed to look alike. But man's assignment was to say just like it is in heaven. Let it happen down here. Is anybody sick in heaven? Is Corona just running around up there? Is Corona turned loose in heaven? No, he says, as in, in earth, as in heaven. It is my job to enforce heaven. He didn't say it was his. He said, you say this. You enforce it. Well, it, that's, just, that's just so making sense. You expect the heaven, earth to be like heaven. No, I didn't expect earth to be like heaven. I expect the way it pertains to me. And all that pertains to me. I can't control the house next door or the one across the street. 
except for tornadoes. I just said, Lord, I don't want nobody's house to blow down in the neighborhood. Peace be still. They blow that house over. You, you, you can't just watch the news six and ten out there and people's underwears and trees and things like that. You're going to have to climb up and help them get them down. You're not going to be able to sit on your front porch and drink iced tea and talk about it didn't come nigh you. A thousand fell at one side and ten thousand and it didn't. That's just wrong. Love would make you get out and help clean up the neighborhood. All right, moving right along. Thy will be done. Thy will be done as in heaven, so in earth. Now, God has already set the stage for that to happen by giving us his power. That's why when Jesus was in the earth and a man had a withered hand, there's nothing in earth that can fix a withered hand. It's just going to be like that. But there are no withered hands in heaven. And the hand grew out and was completely restored. He was demonstrating heaven's power in the earth. He said the Son of God was manifested to destroy the works of what the devil did in the earth. And how does he use that? Kingdom authority. I have authority to make heaven's plan manifest in the earth. And then he turned to us and says, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. I'm giving them to you. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Or whatever you declare law according to the will of God in earth, heaven will back you up. And whatever you loose according to the will of God in heaven, then heaven will back you up and bring it to pass. So that when you go lay hands on the sick, you ain't supposed to see yourself there. The whole kingdom showed up with you. You have the backing of the whole kingdom of heaven. Angels showed up with you. Jesus showed up with you. The Holy Ghost showed up with you. Why am I wavering and wondering if something's going to come to pass? I ain't been practicing kingdom living. You can't get to the emergency without the lifestyle. You can't get to the you can't you can't get to the emergency and you haven't been practicing the kingdom lifestyle and then all of a sudden I need a manifestation. And that's how most people live. And then when something don't happen, well this thing, no, 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 no. You didn't have enough faith to turn it. Or the people didn't want it turned that you was praying for. But you can know nothing about on something like that. That's another person's heart. You can do your part. And God will always hear you. But he will not override another person's will. He will always hear you. Jesus said, my my father always hears me when I pray. That's the relationship every believer should have. No, he hears me. And if he heard me, then the thing is, is done. This is the confidence we have in him. If he hears his will, that's why I got to know his will. Let's look at this real quick again. He says, thy will or God's desire or his pleasure or God's counsel or his wisdom be done. I have to say that. 
Lord, teach us how to pray. Here it is. Will be done as in heaven, so in earth. So you hear people pray, well, Lord, if it be thy will, that's not a prayer. I don't know what that is. That is ignorance at best. Hold your place right here. It's a lack of wisdom. It's what it is. Over here in Ephesians 5.17, I love this. I learned this scripture because I was watching two of my favorite preachers on television, on TVN. And one of them got up here and he said, uh, I thought this is going to be a wonderful night. At that time, I probably was, I just got with Dr. Jacob, so, man, that was like 30 years ago. And I was sitting there watching TVN, and these two powerful television preachers were on. And one of them got up and said, you never know what the Lord is going to do. God is so omnipotent. God is so wisdom, deep in wisdom, and his, way past, his ways of past finding out. So that's what he left it like that. And then the other one spoke up. And he didn't even use no scriptures either. And the other one spoke up and he said, in Ephesians 5, 17, the Bible says, do not be unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. When it comes to God's will for your life, for you, now I don't need to know how many stars are out there. God knows. I ain't even trying to count them. It don't come up. I don't even want to know how many grains of sand on the seashore. He knows. He can weigh it in one hand. He knows that. He does have wisdom we don't have. But when it concerns your life, he wants you to know the plan. He wants you to know the plan. And you have to pursue him for that plan. You're supposed to know what's not in the plan. You're supposed to know this ain't God. Ephesians 5, 17, it says, Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Why? Because I'm going to have to be calling for it. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So if somebody gets something and say, Lord, if it be thy will. It's not even a prayer now. Because I'm supposed to know his will. I'm supposed to know what he wants in this situation. He says... I get no pleasure out of nobody dying. He said, I don't get pleasure out of people, out of death. I don't get, I'm talking about death out of God's will. There is a death that's in the will of God. The Bible said it's appointed unto men once to die. It didn't say it was a time, it's an appointed. The Bible said with long life will he satisfy you and show you his, so you stay till you satisfied. But the devil's plan is to cut people's life off. So that they, they don't get salvation, they don't get in the plan of God for their life. And it's the will of God for people to have wisdom to overcome that and fulfill your destiny. So he says right here, he says, um, don't be unwise, understanding the, what the will of the Lord is. Hold your place right here. First John, turn to First John. And... Um, just talking about prayer tonight. And um, I want to deal with that. And I really want to get, I, I will get to praying in tongues as my ultimate objective. And, uh, but I want to talk about praying in the, your known language right now. Because that comes first. Amen. First John 5, 14. This is the confidence we have in him. You're supposed to have, 
I'm supposed to have confidence in my Heavenly Father, especially when it concerns his will. That if we ask anything according to his will, he says, don't be understand wise, understand the will of the Lord. I'm supposed to pray that will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So I have to know God's desire. If you spend enough time with a person, you'll find out what they like. And when you spend enough time with a person, you will find out what they like and what they desire, how they do things. And it's our job to spend time with God. Spending time in the Word is spending time with God. Your Bible is God talking to you. It's not designed for the trunk of a car after every service. It is designed to have a conversation with him to understand his will. I love my pastor so much he taught me the word of God. I'm a product of, of his stewardship and his teaching ministry. Uh, he's, in my opinion, he's the best. You don't have to have somebody on tell my God, you're supposed to have who God sent you to. But Dr. Michael Jacobs is... That man is something else when it comes to the word. That's all I ever saw out of him was just a man just totally devoted to the word. He would have week-long conferences for us. He did it for us. He would call them word explosions where you would just sit a whole week and just take in the word of God. He said, because the Bible says if you draw nigh to God, God will get close to you. He'll get close to you. You'll have a relationship with him. And I would go to those conferences and I'd sit there and be growing through the word. Every time the doors was open, I was there. He taught me how to pray. You know, I'd, I'd go to the intercessory prayer meetings and, 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 and we would sit in a semicircle and he'd just walk down and he'd pray. And I'd learn how to pray corporately with the church. Because some things are taught, but some things are caught. You got to get them both. You can't just get what's taught. You got to get what's caught. I'd watch him lay hands on people, and God would heal them. I watched him walk people through stage four cancer, and miracles take place in their body. I watched all of that. We're not throwing any of it away. We're not throwing any of it away. We're a church of the supernatural. We're a church connected with heaven. I know God's power is real, not just by teaching, but by demonstration. Paul said, I want you to know, I want you to have not faith in the wisdom of men, but I want you to have power and demonstration of the Holy Ghost so that your faith would not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I want your faith in the kingdom that's here. And I want you to know God's will, and I want you to know there's no power in existence that can stop God's will from coming to pass. And I want you to live every day with this confidence. If I tell you, it's done. The Bible said in Psalms 33, verse 9, he speaks and it's done. He commands and it stands fast. Now, Bible reading, I was reading in Psalms 44, verse 4, that he has commanded deliverance for Jacob. 
which is his. Your deliverance is commanded. No darkness can hold you. No demon can hold you. No sickness can hold you. No poverty can hold you. When you realize you are a child of God and he made you a child of light, no darkness can hold you because the light in you shineth in darkness and the darkness comprehended not. There's no demon, there's no bondage, there's no power of darkness that can hold you or anybody in your household if you stand up and intercede from and know that it's the will of God that your whole house be delivered. Amen. You got to do is find out he delivered, read the Bible and find out he delivered one of somebody's house. And I read he delivered Cornelius, saved his whole household. Cornelius was a rich man and he had people working in his house, saved the employees too. All of them speaking in tongues in one day. Power God fell and hit the whole thing. You can have revival at your house if you just, praise God, if you call on the Lord. Hallelujah. Say, God, I declare, I declare your, I'm, I'm calling this residence a residence of the kingdom of heaven. Empires are, are built because people, you know, great <laughs> with their strength, they, they set up domi their dominion in other lands that are not theirs. Jesus didn't come to get along. He came to take over. <laughs> this is a takeover if you had not know it. That's what this is. Well, praise God. Uh, John chapter 5. I got a few more minutes, then we're going to pray. Hallelujah. You're getting some help tonight. I sure hope you are because I'm helping me. <laughs> is this the confidence? You have confidence when you pray. Are you hoping and wishing or do you have confidence? This is already done. The Bible says you are to come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. You are coming to the throne to declare the will of God. This thing is about ready to change. And you are the catalyst for the change. It won't change unless you want it changed. You got to want it changed. He said, you say this. You say this. I, I'm already saying it. Jesus said, I'm saying it. It's happening for me. He said, now I want it to happen. The works I do, you'll do also. And greater works than these. Then he says this. If you ask anything according to my will, but then I can't be, I can't be praying if it, if it be that will, because I'm, I'm demonstrating I'm ignorant. God, Father, I don't even know what you want right now. Then why not? Because I ain't seen you. You don't fellowship with me. I don't care if they're preachers. Some of them have no prayer life at all. People have positions in church. They don't have no prayer life. They don't even want to pray. Can't be here, though. You have a leadership position in this church. You're required to have a prayer life. Why lead? You don't even want to talk to the father? What's the point of having a position in his house? The church is the house of God. And leaders can fail in ministry, and they'll fail in prayer first. We had a finance leader at our church. I've seen it all. He started the church with Dr. Jacobs laying on, church in the rock, laying on their face in the floor in his house. And he was accountant. Dr. Jacobs gave him the finance ministry. I sat there and watched the whole thing. 
his company was getting ready to lay him off. It's going to lay him off. And they laid, they went on through with the layoff and laid everybody off with four people. He went to Dr. Jacobs and he prayed and he, Dr. Jacobs prayed with him. They did not just lay him off. They promoted him to vice president. He started making more money he ever made. And he was one of the only four they kept. See, status can change people. You got to always stay humble. God resisted the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And the gospel don't work for the I already got this. It works for the meek. And Jesus don't even have an anointing for arrogant people. He said, the spirit of God is on me to preach to the meek. There is no anointing to preach to arrogant people, period. Anytime, anywhere, anyway, any place. It's about humility. And then... I heard the conversation. He went to Dr. Jacobs. He said, I'm going to go to graduate school and get my MBA. I won't be able to come to prayer anymore. I would have said, can you give me the checkbook back for the church? And then when he graduated, he never came back to prayer, and I noticed it. People who don't pray who don't stand in the presence of the Father. Character, motive, and purpose is going to change and it's not going to be kingdom focused anymore. You asked for leave just to get this degree and you got it and you never came back and he completely changed. He started thinking the money in the church was his. No, it's not. Not a dime of it's yours. Not even what you put in is yours. The tithe is God's money. And I watched his attitude toward the pastor begin to be arrogant. And it's all because he left the presence of God. Finally, Dr. Jacobs had to bring him in, hand me the checkbook. You are no longer, because of everything you've done, I ain't even going to go through what he done. Now I'll talk to the lead. When I have leaderships, y'all going to hear the whole thing, because I done seen it all. It's all demonic, because the devil hates a Holy Ghost church. He doesn't want it to see. There's always somebody got an attitude. They always develop it. I see it before it comes. Because I sat there, he had me on the board. Now I was a young man. I was 29, 20 some years old, and I was the leader in the church because I loved him and I loved God. And I'll never be a part of something that dishonors a man of God. You don't call me up on my phone and ask me something like you. You don't, you don't call me up and talk to me disparagingly and dishonoring about the church. I will not take that phone call.
I will not be a part of dissension. It's a work of the flesh. It's listed in Galatians chapter 5. It's dissension. And it happens with a little phone call. A brother, let me tell you this. Your prayer life is over. Just real talk. Because real people come to church. People have to be entrusted with ministry and leadership. But like Pastor Nancy said, you can be replaced and your replacement will be better than you. She's right. Just go study the Bible. God don't go backwards. He goes forward. Dr. Jacobs, he called me into the meeting. You sit over there, Brother Keith. And it was the musician. Then he went and got the musician on his side. That's why I watch Whoever touches the money, whoever touches the music, and whoever holds my mic, I watch you closer than anybody. I watch your motives. I watch everything you do, and I do it to protect you so that some demonic intent does not interrupt what I'm doing here in this city because I watched it. And it's all because a man decided that he wasn't going to pray with his pastor anymore. You don't belong in leadership if you have no intercessory life and you never pray with your pastor. You don't belong in leadership. And he grabbed it. You give me the check. But he told the musician, I'd have fired him too. Sometimes pastors won't be. I don't know why he kept him. He said, but you're on probation. Had to fire him two years later. About five years later. Keith, will you come back to Indiana? I'm firing him too. Should have got rid of him that day. It's tight, but it's right. You really want to do church or you won't play church? Everybody has to resist darkness while you're serving. The Bible said when you're in the house of God, you're supposed to know how to possess your vessel. It's called keep your mouth shut about talking about people Criticizing the church where you've been blessed at. Because if you don't, your prayer life won't work. And a Christian without a prayer life has no value. And if anybody ever talks to you about the church, they're inviting you into their dissension. I don't care how Harmless, the conversation seems they're trying to act like it's not. There's always something wrong with a person that says something's wrong with the church, but I'm perfect. Something wrong with your church. No, something wrong with you. That's why Jesus said, while you're trying to get the splint out of somebody else's eye, did you forget about the telephone pole? That's in yours. So what is that? This is what's this all about? It's about getting your prayers answered. People like that don't get prayers answered. They don't even want to pray. I watched, I've watched so much in 30, almost 40 years in leadership in the local church. I've watched so much. 
I remember I let Les Flock come to this church and he preached. Les Flock and I walked through the door. 36 years ago, we walked through the doors together. We were in our 20s and all these men were older than us. All of them were more progressed in their careers. And he said, I thought some of the people that came, and this is what he said. He said, I thought some of those people had it going on. Just the way they looked and the way they carried themselves. And he said, after all these years, he said, all a pastor really needs is people that will hold up his arms and help him carry out the vision God gave him instead of trying to make the church their own agenda. That's what he preached in this church. He's not a pastor. He's, a de- he's basically a leader and a deacon. still been there for years. Totally loyal. God, oh, God, I ain't talking about the blessing in his life. Let me finish this. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to teach you how to live, not play church. Give us so in, uh, oh, oh. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. God is listening for his will to come back for him. God is listening. Our father is listening for his will to come out of your heart through your mouth back to him. That's what he's, that's what he's listening for. When we pray, he's trying to see if we have his heart for redemption of this planet. That's what he's listening for. He's trying to listen to see, is my plan, my pleasure, my desire interesting and is the first place in their heart, and do I hear it coming back to me? And if I hear that, this is what he says. He says, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And and we know that he hears us whatsoever we ask we know we have the petition we desire of him he's using my life and the calling he's placed in my life to bring his desire to pass it's God's desire that you have life and have it abundantly it's God's desire that you have all your needs taken care of it's father's desire that the best belongs to you on this planet but you have to find out what his desire is He desires for you to live a prosperous life. 3 John 2, I wish above all things that you prosper and that you be in health. He wants you to be successful in every. He wants your businesses to grow. He wants your families to grow. He wants everything to expand in your life. There you go. He's a good God. So then he says right here, go back to Mark, I mean Luke chapter 11. I'm going to finish right here. Thy will be done because I'm going to hear that. And it will happen in earth. This is where you pray in private and then what you pray shows up in power in the earth. Give us this day our daily bread. This is where you make demand for provision. If you need a house, this is where you declare it. You just got to know it's God's will for you to have it. You can ask for it, but you got to know it's his will. You got to study the Bible long enough to know his will to you. You got to listen to the Holy Ghost long enough to know his will to you. You got to know what he wants you to have. You got to know his desire for your life. He says, I have counted every hair on you. I know everything about you. I have every desire and plan. I got a good plan for your life. I just don't want you ignorant of it. 
It's to do you good. And when you get confidence about the plan of God, that's when you go in his presence. And everything starts changing in the earth. I got to teach you how that happens, how the supernatural works. He said, give us this day our daily bread. This is where I declare. This is where I declare what we got to have to meet the financial requirements in this church. I ain't asking you for it. I'm asking him. This is what you signed me to do. You don't go build a building in the middle of a pandemic. People quit coming to church. Some of them even stopped giving. I had a lady tell me right to my face. I was standing in the hotel. She said, well, we're not meeting anymore. I'm not giving. I said, you have a wonderful day. <laughs> I just kept going. I just kept going. <laughs> you know, she said, my son's a pastor. I said, oh, God, he's got people like you around him? You don't even want to support your local church and your son is going to this profession? Hope he don't reap people like you. Now, moving right along. I have much to say, but I ain't got time. Give us this day our daily bread. My supply comes from God. God is your supply, not your job. Let me help you a minute. Not your job. This is where your supply comes from. This is not your job. Your job cannot pay you. There ain't enough in your job to pay you to fulfill God's plan. What he's put in his plan for your life and what they're paying you is not enough. So you're going to have to have intervention. You're going to have to more have more streams. God wants more streams coming into your life, more avenues coming in your life. You got to believe, you got to get to the place that my supply is coming from him. So many people think their job is God. He says, if you seek the kingdom first, then everything that the Gentile is after, I will give unto you. Everything they're after shall be added to you, not job to you. That's Matthew 6, 33. You got to understand his will. It'll cause you to think different. I don't think like most people. When you walk away from a career to do God's will, just walk away because he says you're going to pastor full-time. Established career. She's only worked three years out of the house in the whole time we've been married. Two, two and a half. Two, one. Sub. Yeah, you subbed all right. Snored. <laughs> All right, moving right along. This family business. We'll work it out on the way home. No, he provided for us. He provided for us. God took care of us. Forgive us our sins. You got to judge yourself before you judge other people. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. Prayer is you looking at you, not somebody else. Prayer is a self-aware, 
you get to a place where you have a self-evaluation of you, not other people. Because if you listen to people talk, talk everybody wrong but them. I've been doing this job a long time. There's something wrong with everybody but them. Something wrong with the government, isn't it? But there ain't nothing wrong with you. <laughs> As a citizen of this government. I'm wrong with the president. Nothing wrong with me, though. This is not about examining others. It's a self-examination of you. And Father, if I have been out of your will, I repent. I'm here to change. Prayer is about changing. Forgive me. I love what Smith Wigglesworth raised more people from the dead, 19th century than anybody. He said the New Testament believer will have to repent often. Yeah. <clears throat> you can't talk in the kind of way you want to at home. You can't talk to your mate in the kind of way you want to. You can't treat your mate in the kind of way you want to. You can't do tat for tat at home. You was ugly, so I'm going to be double ugly. You cannot do that. You got to look at you. Jesus said, I want you looking at you every day. This is the prayer I want you. I want you evaluating you and your compliance in obedience to my will every day. Then the people you believe that have done you wrong. I want you to release every last one of them. I don't want you harboring any ill will of unforgiveness toward anybody. I want you to release them. Jesus was on the cross, been lied on, spit on, beat on, beard plucked, thorns pressed into your skull, back whipped, body beat, drug, abused. When he hung on the cross and something came out of his mouth that empowered his resurrection. Father, forgive them. That's all the reason why he got up. That's all, that's all the reason why that, that rock rolled away from that tomb. This is the only. So, so deliverance is forgiveness is not for that person. It's for your freedom and future and for your liberty and for your fatherance in the kingdom of God. That's what it's for. Forgive them. You cannot hold people in bondage. Let it go. I think you need to say that with me. On the count of three, we're going to say, let it go. As days past, I said, what made me so mad, not that, that she made me mad, is that I took the bait. I went to a class. I went to a class one time at my job, how to handle difficult people. I saw it posted up. They hand it on the wall. How to handle difficult people. I said, I'm going to that. 
There's so many difficult situations around here. I was there. I had my pen. I was sitting on the front row of the class. I want to know how to handle these people. It's your reaction that you got to handle. You can't change people. All you can change is your reaction. That's what I learned. I said, is this all this class was coming? It's about me maturing. It's about me growing up. How can somebody make you so angry? It's something about a person that the Bible talks about easily. It's easy to get you angry. If you're mad at the news, don't watch the news. If you just, you can't get past five minutes into the news at six and ten and you're moving your furniture. You need to watch cartoons. You need to watch Bugs Bunny, the Roadrunner. You need to calm down. <laughs> watch the Flintstones or something. Find Find one of them old ones. I mean, that'll really help you. The Three Stooges or something. Just start laughing. Praise God. Don't watch the news. It says, and forgive our sins as we, notice, for we also forgive everyone in debt to us. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. You get some help tonight. I get up and pray over you every day. You are delivered from every evil word and preserved into his heavenly kingdom and kept by the power of God unto salvation. It don't take two minutes to pray that prayer. Hallelujah. It doesn't take two minutes to pray that prayer. Just lift your hands to heaven. Praise God.